welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To podcast with me, Chris Grimes. And why am I calling it that? Because that's my name. And a good listening to, after all, is what coaching is all about. So a GLT with me, CG, see what I'm doing there, is my new podcast series with a strong storytelling imperative and with the simple aim of inviting my guests to a space called The Clearing, where we get to shake their tree, hear their story and amplify their brand. Who are you and what's the story that you tell? So yes, welcome to a GLT with me, CG, and we're recording. We can always edit it. We can always edit it. Awesome. (laughs) Welcome to The Clearing, someone I've been really, really excited to speak to, um, Katie Elliott Armitage, who runs uh, a place called lesuranglais.com which i have to say is one of my absolute happiest places on the planet uh, not least because katie's there who i think of being a sort of judy dench lookalike and also you run this place which is uh, uh, the most beautiful place to curate workshops it's surrounded on three sides by sunflowers and i have the great joy and gift of going there once a year to do something called the instant wit laughter lab which is um Le Spas, which is your drama studio, which is one of, I have to say, if, you, if I think about where a clearing is for me, which we're going to come on to, it is absolutely the room in which we run the workshops where you are. So, Katie Elliot Armitage, welcome to the Good Listening To podcast and welcome to the clearing. Thank you very much. I'm very flattered that you've invited me, actually. <laughs> in fact, when I got going with the podcast, actually, you need to know this, you're one of the first people I thought, oh, I must speak to Katie Elliott. Oh, I like your story. I like no, your I, story. I, I honestly, when we watch all episodes, you'll see I don't say that to all my guests. Which <laughs> um, <laughs> is a very I'll special place. So um, it says, I Googled you before I started, uh, it, it, and you're in a website. One of the first links for you is called The Fabric of Life, which is quite appropriate for you because of your love and joy of textiles and all things that, that got you going with workshopping. But you swapped London life for rural door dine. And there you find yourself now at this wonderful place, as I keep saying, called lesseuranglais.com. The commoner in me, it's lesseuranglaises.com, if you don't speak French. Um, so um, how are you today in the Dordogne? Yeah, yeah, we've got a beautiful day. Actually, the sun, the, the clouds are just coming over and there's tre- tremendous wind, but it's it's beautiful, beautiful. And very warm today, very warm. And in England, it's absolutely whomping it down. And I'm in Bristol, oh. actually, so... Yeah. At least you're right in the door. At least you're all right in the door, doing, shall we say? So yes, let's get you on the open road of talking about uh, bringing you into a clearing first of all, Katie. So um, there's some lovely storytelling metaphors and archetypes to enjoy as we let your thinking unfold. Uh, in answer to the following questions, it's sort of my own version of Desert Island Discs, if you will. So where does Katie Elliott Armitage go in order to get clutter-free? What is your clearing like for you? Well, I think there are several, actually. I don't think there's one particular place. But if I want to get away from it, I can can physically remove myself by coming up here to my studio. Um, And uh, it's just got everything I want to get on with uh, work that I want to do. So apart from a proper computer up here. (laughs) um, (laughs) We have had some wonderful comedy in trying to get your iPad to be the right height. We've had all sorts of comedy where you've been in all sorts of iterations. We have indeed. Next time I'm bringing my, not that there will be a next time, but next time I'm bringing (laughs) the wretched thing up here. 
I hope um, there will be next time because I'm supposed to be coming to France <laughs> to do the next workshop. You haven't fired me already, I hope. But I'm coming to do the next Instant Wit Laughter Lab workshop next May. Hurrah. That's true. And we're really looking forward to it. And upstairs, yeah. as I know, is your, your den of being a seamstress, if you like. I know you're not just a seamstress. You're many, many things. But you have a love of fabric, don't you? I love, absolutely love textiles. I've actually actually had a moratorium this year. Uh, my New Year's resolution was I'm not to buy any yarn and I'm not to buy any fabric because it's just ridiculous. I've just got so much and I'll never get through it. So and it's when did you when very did you, well. But <laughs> and in terms of your journey to now and, and for your passion for all things textiles, fabric, when how did that all begin for you? Oh, gosh. Oh, really, from a very, very early age. Uh, my mother was a very, very good seamstress um, and very liberated. I mean, she, she had piles of fabric and yarns and things. And I can't remember who taught me. I vaguely remember a knitting class, but not, not really. And uh, we were allowed to just experiment. We were allowed to use any of her fabrics and try anything. Some terrible, terrible disasters. So it started off with dressmaking, really, but but we you know, we tried other things, embroidery, darning, all sorts of things. You know, very sort of fifties and sixties. And have all of how many sisters do you have? I think I know the answer, but this is the podcast. So how many sisters do you have, Katie? Well, I have four siblings. So I've got three sisters and a brother, mm -hmm. and we're all quite close. So, well, when I say we're quite close, we are close, but we don't. We're not constantly in each other's pockets, so uh, we know we're there. So it, it's it's a very nice relationship. And there's a joy of sisterhood even in lesseuranglais.com, which is obviously the English sisters, um, which you know, before I met you, I probably would have needed that translation. So I hope it's helpful to some. But the English sisters, in my experience of being at your workshops, you become private chefs to what's going on in the workshop space. And honestly, coming to France, just where you live, you know, in, in Vertiac, in the Dordogne, quite close to Bordeaux, but it, it is the most beautiful place that you found yourself in. And, and what's the story of how you got there? I know it's a converted um, walnut mill is where you've uh, renovated, isn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Um, we came over to look at something else, which, which turned out to be completely inappropriate. It had the Tejé Vey running through the garden, mm -hmm. but we didn't we didn't pick that up till we got down here. Uh, and um, Mike, my husband, uh, popped into the local agents and said, "Well, we're down here. Have you got anything else?" And my only proviso was, "Oh, it has to have water." Because uh -huh. I'd read um, Jean de Floret and and on oh, yes. the trilogy. So it had to have water because I didn't want to be. Um, it was Manon. Uh, you've just reminded me of that trilogy. It's beautiful, wasn't it? Manon de Sillaux yes. and Jean de Florette. Yeah, lovely. So uh, he went off and they said, well, no, we haven't got anything. And then as he was leaving, they said, well, we've got this one place, but nobody's lived there for, uh, it must have been 40 or 50 years at that point. Uh, don't go inside. It's in terrible condition. So it was the one and only property that we saw and we just completely fell in love with it. Oh, and we're yeah. way too spontaneous and way too um we never never think long and hard enough about things and we just said yes yeah, <laughs> by the way where i'm from in terms of my comedy improvisational love there's no such thing as way too spontaneous so i you know where you are now is 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 you know absolutely the elixir of life it's so beautiful 
that although it might have come with a pain of renovation, you have, you know, you've got a place to, um, you know, <laughs> I'd love to retire there myself someday. It's that gorgeous. <laughs> well, it, it, it worked out, but, you know, it could easily have swung the other way. Yes. Um, but so we were just lucky, I guess. But and, and people, I'll ask about, you know, the website, you'll be able to talk about where people can find the website for Les Anglais at the end. So we'll definitely do that. So, yes, it, it, I was getting you talking about your sisters and indeed the fact that uh, Susu or Susie, who, who also comes to join in in the workshops, is, is certainly one of your family members that I know very, very well. Yeah, well, she she start, was really almost from the very beginning. Um uh she and I had an uh, originally we we were doing French linens mm-hmm. when I when I was still in the UK I was coming over to France going to Brocance buying old linens and then selling them in the UK uh-huh. it it wasn't very successful <laughs> um because nobody wants to iron sheets and you have to iron linen yes. so um anyway that was fine that was on the sort of decline and then we moved to to France Mike and I moved to France and anyway the the whole idea of workshops um materialized and uh Susa got involved again with that and you, um, you started off with with sort of fabric related or textile related workshops and then they've they've evolved in a wonderful way where you've just been curating an expansion of the type of wonderful workshops you have there you've got a very good memory chris you should be doing interview. oh you are you are um <laughs> uh, yeah we had um we started off with textiles because that's what i knew about that's who i was networked with and connected with yeah and we had some wonderful people come in and and give workshops but it was at that point it was just in this in the main house in the maison de maitre which and it was in the attic and it was all a bit um it was too too, um exciting with too much going on yeah Uh, and we realized that people wanted to relax and get into their into their arts and crafts so yeah well that's another whole story but um that's and then susu was involved sue my sister was involved in that and my other sister lizzie who was in pr did did a lot of work for us uh at the beginning she's retired now so she's not involved really um and it, and it kind of worked, you know. We went on top of each other and we were all kind of separated, um, physically separated, but we could work together. And then when we had the workshops, we would get together and... And, and, and there's a separate... Your, your converted barn is now the most beautiful, less space, you call it, don't you? And it, uh, why I so love it, there's also a ping pong table almost in its own annex. <laughs> where you are. So you had me at ping pong table even before. A new we ping pong table, Chris. I'm sure the first Ooh. time you came, it was the old one, which was all chipped. But I, when yes. we realised you were so keen, I, I am. we went out and got a new one. Yes, and and I, in fact, I first first found your beautiful place because we found it as a holiday destination, and very specially, uh, we were there for my daughter Lily's GCSE results, and we got them um, on the um, you know the the, the deck of Lespas. So I, I I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sort of more and more connected to the place, particularly now because uh, as soon as I realised you started doing workshops and you're evolving, I I remember I remember very strongly saying, "Oh, I wonder if I could try and talk you into letting me have a comedy and pro workshop here." Uh, and because of your joy of yes and you said yes and then I left you alone and then you chased me said are you going to make it work then and I'm thinking yes she wants to do it so um, I, I do remember the meal actually I remember we were all sitting outside yes and, and talking to you about it yeah absolutely 
And it's, it's, so it started out being textiles, then it was food related, because I always describe the place as being it's either, it used to be food or fabric related. And then now it's comedy and music and dance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, 12 years of textiles. Uh, um, you know, we, we wanted to move on and do something different. So, uh, yes, we, we, we luckily we met you and then we, we we've known, we know musicians and that's how, again, that's a different um road to go down but yeah. um yeah so here we are yes 12 years later 14 years later or whatever it is yeah and in fact my own so let, let's get you on too um your clearing is then upstairs there where you have everything you need and of course where you live as well so i'm going to join you in your clearing with a tree which is a bit weird because we've talked about you've got quite a small space there but i'm going to come into your clearing with a tree they're going to shake your tree to see which apples fall out and Katie, the apples are the next storytelling series of metaphors where you've had five minutes or as long as you needed before we spoke to think about four things that have shaped you, Katie Elliott, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention, and then one quirky or unusual fact about you we couldn't possibly know until you tell us. So it's over to you on the open road of which of those apples you might like to talk about. Uh, well, I think I've kind of talked about things that have um shaped me which is my my, my extended family i've got a very large family because obviously my, my siblings have had families and um i'm definitely definitely have been affected by my own children and my husband and yeah i think that's had the most effect on my life is the people that are close close to you but yeah, that that's not that's not unusual um it's just that I think I've been impressed by them you know I, I the, the the things that they do have inspired me and their their ethos really about life so you've grown yeah. together as you've grown together really as you've gone through yeah. the path of your life yeah, yeah. lovely and my parents were inc incredibly important um both very very interesting people who had um difficult lives really and and came through and never complained really and um yeah, yeah and I always associate you as having come from London originally but where were you born I was born in Ghana so we spent uh we spent quite a lot of our childhood traveling around Africa and then we ended up in America but we went to Malaya as well my father was um he was both a consulting engineer and a civil engineer Mm -hmm. and he was working for various governments so we kind of went along we never I went to school in Ethiopia wow. but otherwise but only for a short while otherwise yeah. we were we were generally sent back with my mother to the UK while my father stayed in these in these exotic places and she she had the burden of looking after all these children uh, and then he would come back periodically to touch base I guess really yeah and eventually he he retired well he didn't retire he had a business in London yeah and then he, and they retired down to Devon but it was it was a very interesting um very interesting childhood and funnily enough it it has left me not particularly wanting to travel whereas I've met a lot of people who've grown up abroad and all they want to do is go back or travel I actually feel I've done that been there yes. It doesn't inspire me at all. So you found a really beautiful place to, to to just be now as the place you want to be, which is like you've found your place. 
it's like my nest really yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah Lovely. Um, and I had a parallel, uh, similar upbringing. I grew up in Uganda until I was 10. Uh, we, we were all together as a family, but we would come back every two and a half years. And I remember um, we were close to in, in a place called Ginger in Uganda, near to uh, somewhere called the Owen Falls Dam. And, and we met lots of civil and civic engineers who were there trying to do the sort of irrigation of the Nile. Um, so I don't know what type of engineering your father did. Well, he actually worked on the Volta Dam in Ghana. Uh, and in Ethiopia, he was he was working on dams, but also roads and bridges. And in fact, there's a very sad story. He was in Singapore during during um, the Second World War, and just before he he'd been over there, and he was in the public works department as an engineer, and he was building big designing and building bridges. And then when the Japs came down from Singapore, he had the the, the enviable task of actually having to blow up his own bridges as they came down and he said it was so 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 destroying yeah and presumably well bridges that had taken possibly years in their concept and then he was absolutely yeah yeah wow. so uh, but he was he was he wasn't a taciturn man but he wasn't a man of many words and it was really difficult to get him to talk to talk about things like that yes that whole singapore experience was just um a shadow, a, a shadow yeah. of the past yes of its time yes indeed uh, so so in our tree we're still thinking about things uh, anything else you want to tell us about what's shaped you um i was trying to think of teachers who shaped me but i can't think of any that are really memorable you know i had a, a good convent education good nuns bad nuns you know like <laughs> most people <laughs> um and then art college there was a there was a guy called mr lingford who who taught us uh, typography and it was in the old school typography. So you had to learn to, to typeset and it was a very hands-on experience. And I, he really shaped my sense of design because he, he sort of simplified everything and made us work through it. It's like learning your um, tables when you're a youngster. Yes. You learn them by road. They never, yeah. you, it never really leaves you. Uh, and um, yeah, Mr. Lingford really left an impression. But you know, I didn't kind of. But there's, there's, a, there's a lovely, yes. if I may, sort of golden thread. I'm using that about fabric, but the, the idea of um, the tactile nature of how you learnt stuff, because obviously you're a, you, you can make your own clothes. You're very hands-on, and having learnt to design through typography, that's again hands-on, isn't it? So it's it's a way yeah. of learning, rather than yeah. more just get get given something digital where no one can feel it quite as much. Well, they never. I was. I was saying the other day, we didn't even have co copiers. I mean, we could. We couldn't copy anything. Yeah. It was that long ago. I'm that old. Um, you know, you could photograph it, but you, it, there was no way of copying anything. Um, you're not that uh, old. Cause the old. The oldest bit of calligraphy I remember ever seeing was the Book of Kells, which is connected to Dublin University, which is when the um, the monastic. Um, they'd use lapis lazuli to, to, and sometimes whole pages of the Book of Kells would take a, a monk in calligraphy their entire <laughs> lifetime to do one page. Yeah, yeah, nowadays yeah. you go and your reason for doing that was, um, you know, it, it's an investment of art, but, but talk about you know, commitment. <laughs> There's a very interesting programme on at the moment, which you may have seen, called uh, Secret History of Writing. No. It's actually, I think it's, it was in three parts. But yeah, they, they talk about the manuscripts there and how it would take a whole a whole town um, a year to make a hundred books or something. I mean, you know, just yeah, crazy yeah. 
can't even this is pre pre printing but you know we take it all so for granted now don't we i mean we do um so so we're in we're in i think we might have covered off the four things that have shaped you and you've also strayed beautifully into things that have inspired you as well so anything else you want to tell me about those uh, those series of apples before we get on to um the next well definitely uh definitely the things that inspire me or is that does that mean um i I would say it's music Uh music, and dancing absolutely dancing those two and another one of your beautifully successful weekends that I, I didn't manage to come to, but it's called the Blues and Boogie weekend, isn't it, that you do? I just love it. Absolutely love it. It's like having your own um, house party with the most talented musicians there playing music that you adore. So it, it's just magic. Yeah. And your yeah. glorious studio does, by a really, really happy accident, have the most beautiful acoustic, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't planned at all, but we used We had a wonderful architect called Jeremy Harris who, who came in and we used as much natural products as we can. And he put in this, oh, I don't, like, I don't know, but insulation of some sort, yeah. you know, reprocessed corn or something. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and it's absolutely everybody, all the, the musicians that have come say it's, it's, it's just the most wonderful acoustics in there. Uh, so it's just happy, happy chance, really. And you have had bands come and record albums there too, haven't you? I remember you talking about. Uh, yes, we did. We had um, Steel Ice we Band. Had a, 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 a guy called Peter Knight, who was from Steel Ice Band. Yeah. Uh, he reformed a group called Gig Spanner, and they joined yeah. together with somebody else called the Gig Spanner Big Band. Mm-hmm. And they came for a whole week, and they rehearsed and recorded, and yeah, it was it's wonderful. And then they gave a, a concert as a sort of thank you. So it was it was it was good. And again, I have such happy memories of exactly where you're talking about because you've got the most extraordinary deck there as well. And um, I remember our family were putting out yoga mats and all a big family of nine of us were there and we all put yoga mats down and we're star gazing because the sky gets beautifully dark at night where you are too. Very we nice. have had yoga. We have had yoga workshops there, actually. Yeah, it's good. And what better place to do a salutation to the sun when you're surrounded on three sides by <laughs> sunflowers, as you obviously often are. Absolutely. Which or a headstand. Take a diff- completely different view of the world. Perfect for your um, instant wit, wit uh, laughter lab. Thank you. Good plug there. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so two things that never fail to grab your attention. We're mixing them up beautifully here. So they're, they're coming out. But what about two things that never fail to grab your attention? Well, one of them would be music. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, and and also I, I'm very fond of um, uh British artists during the, the sort of middle of the 20th century um, absolutely love their art. So uh, people like Nevinson and Nash. Um, Did you say Nevinson? Nevinson, Nevinson, and yeah. Nash and uh, Wyndham Lewis and Gaudia Breschka and oh, oh, they're, they're, I, I just think their their work is wonderful. And then they move. You move into the the fifties, and you've got wonderful designers, textile designers like like Lucienne Day and her husband, who was an architect, Robin Day. Those sort of things I find inspirational. Yeah. So art. So there's lots of texture in what you love because there's art, there's uh, calligraphy, there's print setting. I just there's something very very te- uh, sort of tactile to what you're describing. Really grabs your attention as well. Very visual. Yeah. yeah. Which is odd because 
I think a piece of music that I love, and I'm a bit of a tart with music, you know, I like classical and I do I do love um, all sorts of, I, I, I like some pop songs and I like folk, a bit, you know, bits, not all of them, obviously. Uh, but, but yeah, you play a piece of music and I could listen to it over and over, you know, that juvenile, that yeah. um, adolescent thing of living, listening to a song over and over and over again. I can still do that. What would be your no favourite song from adolescence that you play over and over and over again? Oh, oh God, I love Credence Clearwater Revival. Um, gosh. Oh, now you put me on the spot, Chris. I hadn't thought this one too. Well, I, I can cover oh, the Beatles. You listen to the Beatles, and you can't you can't help but. I know we're conditioned. Well, I'm conditioned because it was it was my era. But you can't. You know all the words, and you you know that everything about it, and it's just. They were often thought to some to be the first the first ever real global ph- phenomenon. The Beatles. I I, I know really more, more than clear. Um, Elvis Presley. Do you think? Oh, uh, you're quite right. You've got me on a technicality. Him first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, I was, I was going to cover for you. There's something that inspires me when I'm in your barn, which is the theatre space where I go for the clearing and the, the drama teachers like to do it in circles. You know, the, the, the glorious barn where the instant wit laughter lap happens. I nearly always find myself having to play because you're surrounded on three sides by sunflowers. Um, Fields of Gold, the Sting version. Oh, yes. And so I often have I it. I one too. So fields of gold. I do, if, if I hear fields of gold, it now makes me think of your beautiful barn Aww. and it makes me sort of champ at the bit to go and get on with the next workshop. And of course, we've had to not do them this year because of circumstances beyond our control, have we not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll I think you should write to Sting and tell him. I, I, I'll make a point of it. In fact, I'll, I'll see if he'll, <laughs> he'll let me give him a damn good listening to through the good listening to podcast. <laughs> your next one. Lovely. So, um, any, what about a quirky or unusual fact about you, just before you get you out of shaking your tree in your lovely uh, seamstress attic space there? Quirky uh, Taking my tree. Um, did you, I'm, what did I do? I, uh, I've had many, many careers in my life, not careers, but jobs, jobs. Uh, and, and one of them, I designed a board game. I've designed mm-hmm. a board game called Movie Mogul, which actually sold in... Um, Lots of shops. I like yeah. that. So, so uh, who and did you who backed you or sponsored you? Was it a major game? No, we didn't. Or? We didn't. Uh, we went to a lot of the fairs, and it got to the point where you either sold your idea, and apparently, if you sell your idea, the the, the companies just shelve them. Yeah, and they ch- change it a bit, and and then they don't have to pay you copyright. So right. we were told not to go down that road. And then we were told it was we would have to invest literally hundreds of thousands of pounds um, into the game to to pr- produce it, to mass produce it. Yes. And it's called Movie Mogul. Did you say? It's called Movie. Mo- oh, I should have had one here to show you, shouldn't I? I well, don't. As we're on a podcast, we can lie. Say, oh, now we're now looking at the board game of Mo- Movie Mogul. I'll take a photo and, pro- and email you. I would like. Um, yeah. So. Yes, and and we had a we had um, an opening night at the Soho Club with quite a few celebrities. Oh, it was great fun! It was enormous fun, in fact, um, but didn't go anywhere. And <laughs> not to age us all, but, but can you get, what, what was the type? Of, when was the year when you produced your game? Oh, uh, late eighties, early nineties, I think. 
and it was just at the time when vid video games were coming in you know yeah much much more simple than the ones they can get now but um so it there was just... <laughs> <laughs> i like that so phew, it was a long time ago and i remember video games when they first came out i, was, I used to go to south end seafront to play what was it called? Galaxian and Space Invaders. <laughs> That's right. Space Invaders. Yeah, my son's had Space Invaders. Yeah. Of course he has. Can't get them away from it when, when they're on Twitter. We didn't know we were going to talk about that, but do, do you remember Galaxian? Of course you don't. <laughs> I don't. I never played a video game. Not once in my life have I played a video game. You're... Not even... Oh, I have played Scrabble with my grandson, but... Oh, yes. I've got a joke about Scrabble, which was in the Law Virus group recently. I don't know if you saw that. No. Which is, Katie, I accidentally last night ate a load of Scrabble tiles. My next visit to the bathroom could spell disaster. <laughs> Thank you very much here all week. By the way, you have been very, very supportive since we I was last with you in France, where I've been on the open road of this Facebook group called Hashtag Lol Virus to spread a little happiness and antivirus. And you've been very encouraging and um, participating beautifully in that, may I? Well, it picks, it picks you up enormously, you know, especially if you had a bad day and this, and this wretched coronavirus going on and on and on. It just kind of, kind of gets your feet back onto, onto the ground and... Yes. And, and by the, way, the other delicious quote about that is we have to laugh because laughter, as we already know, is the first evidence of freedom. Ooh. Get me. Well, I was going to say, actually, you know, when I was talking about my family to, to sort of backpedal tremendously um, and things that inspire me, I think it's qualities in people that inspire me rather than, than uh, naming an individual. I, I think it's, you know, generosity, the ability to laugh at yourself, um, kindness. It's those sort of things that you recognise in people and and they become your good friends for life. And um, not many of them out there, but... Yeah, they are get... a precious find indeed. Absolutely. Someone that can resonate yeah. and chime with your own values in that way. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, yeah... I, you... I, I... Go on. So as you've all, I hope you know that, that I keep saying, and I hope you're never embarrassed by this, but you do, you did so remind me of uh, Judy Dench when I first met you. So you're my sort of Judy Dench lookalike, which is partly why I thought, oh, she's very interesting. So, and also, <laughs> so thank you. Well, thank you, Judy. Thank you. No, and uh, you're you're attractive in your own right, obviously, but um, it was <laughs> the idea of, um, you know. What, what? You're digging yourself deeper. You yes. know. I love that, I that that quote. He thought he thought he dug as deep as oh, I'm very bad at quotes, but he thought he dug himself as into a hole, and then he looked down, and it was a lot further to dig. So I'll so, grab. Well, tell you what I'll do. I'll use a grappling hook and get out of there sharpish, because we. I don't want to get into a particular bear pit. That's all good. Um, so we're now coming towards away from your clearing. Sorry, into the clearing again, where we're going to talk about now alchemy and gold, which is about when Katie Elliott is in purpose or in flow, doing what you most love to do in the world. What is it you most like to do? When are you at your happiest? Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's one thing, actually. I, I love I love to dance. Absolutely love to dance. Yeah, I guess that takes you on to a high level. I mean, I don't do it very often anymore, but I met my husband, Mike, dancing. And for years and years and years, you know, that was the place we would go to have, have fun. And, and it does, it just takes you away from yourself. It's the most beautiful escapism. Yes, just the, yeah. the wonder of dance. Beautiful. And is that just a, a particular, were you 
um, doing particular types or styles of dance? I did ballet as a child. Yeah. And I really, really wish I'd kept it up. But we were never pressurised to do anything as children, you know. Sounds like a complaint. I mean, how lucky were we? You know, there wasn't any kind of um, pressure on us. Uh, but I, at, at about 14, I decided I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play the piano, right. which I was never very good at. I've taken it up again, which I'm quite happy about. But um, I was never very particularly good at the piano, but I decided I wanted to give that a try. Uh, but but I stopped the ballet, and I'm really, really sorry about that. In fact, I, 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 I got a place at the um, Royal school of ballet wow and my mother wouldn't let me go because she oh, said God. we well because we were all you know we were se already separated from my father and she wanted to keep the family together and i think i would have been hopelessly homesick anyway so i think she made the right decision for me but i wish i'd just kept dancing but it's so lovely that you've got a, a, an ongoing love of that's where you go to almost get into a bliss state. It, dancing is a source of great joy and happiness for you in terms of yeah. alchemy in your gold. Lovely. And then um, finally, we're coming up to where I'm going to award you with a cake now. And thank you very much indeed for talking to us where the cake has a cherry on the cake, which is another metaphor that's open to interpretation. It's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, or it could be notes or advice to a younger version of yourself, or it could be the, an inspirational quote of choice. It's however you'd like to leave us with this conversation. So what but like, a, like a Nike, um, go for it or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I just say I, I say it to my son the whole time, and I, sons, and I try and say it to myself when I'm feeling low, but it's just get over it, you know? Life is full of disappointments. It's full of people who don't you know, do what you expect of them. Um, yeah, just get over it, move on. It, you could spend your whole life crying about stuff that, that happened years ago. And That's a lovely sort of future-focused imperative. Just just get over it and move forward i love that yeah absolutely and i think that's a lot about when you, when you do your classes i did your i'm just going to plug for you now chris i did your your workshop here last year and i absolutely loved it it was one of the the, the most fun things i've ever done and it's one of the reasons i loved it is it's so positive and i i know a friend said to me a long time ago you know, you can you can look at things and you can think the worst is going to happen or the best is going to happen. You never know. So why don't you just assume it's the best? And and I felt that the, the whole workshop was about that, you know, looking at life positively. I thought it was brilliant. You're very kind to say so. And, and it, it is, as we know, it's applying the currency and the beauty of the yes and mindset where anything is possible. And just adhere to unbounded optimism but not in a really um, sort of woo-woo way where it's just about positive thinking. It's just having an optimistic yes-and methodology and mindset towards life. Yeah. And sometimes that's really, really difficult, you know. But, but um, And by the yeah, way, in, you... in terms of creating an atmosphere, what makes it extra, extra special, you know, when we come and do the workshops for you, it is because of the location, it's the atmosphere, it's the cooking that you do as well, which is <laughs> so lovely. Honestly, I, I can salivate at the thought of, of being back at Les Sœurs Anglais next May to do... It'll be Instant Wit Laughter Lab 3 postponed from this year, but we're going to be back, you know, it, it, with even more optimism once... I certainly hope so. I ho certainly hope so. And and you were, well, you were planning something else as well, I think, but, but that's another... 
story. Yeah, they'll, they'll hopefully be um, because of the the um, linked to the yes and mindset. I'm hoping to do a coaches retreat there where um, we'll explore the art of asking the right type of questions. Because I think of your big space almost being like a big, a, a, an extra large queue as a shape, like a typography space, a big queue where all the good questions come to be asked and all the good stories come to be told. It is a beautiful storytelling space, actually. Well, one of the things I think about the workshops, and I'm sure you find it when you, when you do your workshops elsewhere, uh, is, is the people. Mm. You, you meet so many interesting people uh, and completely unexpected personalities and uh, uh, the qualities and... It's just a, a wonderful opportunity of meeting a completely different set of people from time to time. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, um, Katie Elliott Armitage, thank you so much for taking the wonderful time to speak to us here on the Good Listening To podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say to leave us with? No, I don't think so. No, no, that, that it's been great fun. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very welcome. And where can we go and look out for you, either in a fabric context or workshop context? Where can we find out about Katie Elliott Armitage and everything you do on the interweb? Well, it's on on the website, which is Lesos Anglaise. We're just putting it together now for next year. But you're up there, I think, already. So dot com, and there's also you're on Instagram and other places like that too, with some of your. Wonderful- oh yeah, I am. I don't. I don't really do Facebook, uh, but I do Instagram, and I never do Twitter because I don't understand it or. The other thing and is, you, you do a very very is it Mailchimp? If I, I'm not trying to plug them, but but who do you do your newsletter? I do, I do a, um, uh, a a newsletter from time to time, but but you have to get to it through the website. So you just subscribe through there. So that's it's, fine. It's the 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 French translation of the English sisters. It's lesuronglais.com. It's got yeah. That's that's the one. So any variation thereof should should reach us. I don't think there's anybody else called that. Wonderful. Simpson, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. And I will see you on FaceTime soon to plan for next year, very soon anyway. But also, um, I'll see you on the LOL virus. And there is also a dedicated Facebook group to the Good Listening To podcast now, Katie, as well. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Katie Edith Armitage, the Good Listening To podcast. Goodbye. Oh, it's us again. Uh, we're just back briefly. Because, <laughs> as you said, it's just like the Oscars. You forgot to mention someone who's very instrumentally important for Les com and the English sisters that turn up. Who is it you'd like to tell us about, Katie? I'd like to tell you about my, uh, my, my associate, Carol, my colleague, Carol, who has been indispensable for the whole running of Les Anglaise. And I'm very lucky to have met her here in France because she's a rare flower indeed. Uh, what a beautiful P.S. addendum, the rare flower indeed that it's Carol, and and the, the English sisters. Then when I when I've experienced it, it's you, it's Susu, and it's Carol, and you are yeah. yeah. For. So please do come to the Instant Laughter Lab workshop. You won't regret it because this lovely lady's here as main chef and participant. We love you for that, and hostess with the mostess, and also Michael's got a wine cellar that I I can't help. Well, I wish I had the keys to it. I really do. <laughs> Maybe it's not a good idea to mention it. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Sorry. There's no wine cellar. Nothing to see here. Moving along, please. No, no wine. No art. No nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing at all. Goodbye. <laughs>
You've been listening to the Good Listening To podcast with me, Chris Grimes. If you've enjoyed the programme, then please do subscribe on all the usual channels. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the programme too, and I'm hosted on Buzzsprout. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do. And then on Twitter and Instagram, at that Chris Grimes. Also, if you'd be interested in having some coaching from me to help you level up your confidence, your personal impact or your brand, then contact me via email, chris at secondcurve.uk. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.